global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Once again, the opportunity to be on the air sharing important truths, and we ask for your spirit to speak. We ask that you would guide our conversation and the thoughts of those tuning in. And most of all, we ask that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and his name proclaimed in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. I am your host, Scott Ritzema, once again, and this is a special broadcast, a special edition of 11th Hour Dispatch, because in the studio with me, I have my good friend, Andy, and I'm going to be interviewing Andy today. We're going to put a little bit of a hold on the news. We'll be getting back into the news headlines tomorrow, but Andy has a very unique story, a very special perspective on some issues that relate to the topics that we talk about on the program. Specifically, Andy manages and runs a local year-round greenhouse agriculture project that incorporates the labor of youth and is a organic farm. And so I want to ask him some questions about that. And also, Andy is a former police officer. And when we look at the uh, issues of what's going on in the cities with civil unrest and the last day's strife that were that was predicted in the Bible, when it says there would be perplexities of nations and all of this breaking apart of society, we're seeing this take place. Andy himself actually was five and a half years only from retirement on the police force out west and felt a call by the Lord to leave the police force and move to Michigan to start working in agriculture. And at first, before we even get into the benefits of growing your own food and organic, and before we talk about the cities and what's going on with the civil unrest, Andy, I'd like for you first to just give a little bit of perspective on why you decided to leave the police force and go into agriculture. Sure. Thank you, Scott. I, um, as I progressed through the, the ranks and eventually ended my career as a, a chief of police, I, I, um, I realized that things were changing. I grew up on a farm and I'd always wanted to incorporate my kids into a farm. So as my children were being born and started to grow yearly. I wanted them to experience the same thing I did. Um, it's interesting how when you start having kids, you feel pressure or a call to start doing those things that would benefit them most. Um, my wife and I both have been praying and, and studying and researching where would be best to, to go into farming to where we could not only have our kids be incorporated into that and work with us and learn um, the art, for lack of a better term, of growing um, as well as uh, providing fresh local produce to uh, uh, customers, so we uh, we prayed about it and we uh, we ended up here. I guess that's a short version of the story, but here we are, in Michigan, um, growing local produce, supplying local produce, uh, certified organic, as well as working with uh, our kids and then uh, local kids from a, a Christian boarding academy. 
No, I've had my son Levi come and work at the farm also. And I know that, Andy, you have your daughters there. And I can't think of a better place for kids than working in the soil, watching the plants grow, learning about all of the different ways that you cultivate these plants. And, you know, I just the first time you told me that story about you leaving the police force, I said, wait a minute, you were that close to retirement and this generous retirement package was coming your way. And it just hit me how important being a parent is and why our children do need to be number one. And all dads, all of us need to, in our own unique ways, sacrifice for our families. Yours was a a pretty potent way of sacrifice. Not everybody will be called to do that, but I just admire that. And, you know, I I really liked, too, when we were first talking, when I first met you a couple years ago now, um, this idea of growing food organically. Uh, that's something I've really been about for quite some time is eating organic. It's not necessarily accepted widespread by, by Christians. It's a big trend in society of, of all religions. But give us some perspective on why you guys decided we want this to be a purely organic source of food for the people locally in Michigan. Well, we believe, um, first of all, that organic is... is um safer just for the environment and for us to eat. Um, we also believe that it's in, in good stewardship to take care of the soil, take care of uh, um, everything we're utilizing to grow. So we've, uh, we've always eaten organically. If, if possible, we grew a lot of our own food in our small backyard before we moved to where we had uh, access to, to larger acreage. Um, but it's very, very important to, uh, to learn to grow organically. And we, we knew we wanted to do that as we progressed in Earth's history and came closer to end times. As you read about uh, soils being contaminated with pesticides and the amount of toxins in some of your, your produce, we felt that it was important to to grow that for ourselves, our, our family, as well as for our customers. It's uh, it's nice to be able to take my my children to the, the greenhouse or to the farm and they they often pick the produce fresh from the, the the ground or from the vine or whatever it is and eat it directly without even washing it. And we know that it hasn't been sprayed with harmful pesticides or there's not the need to to wash those off. So I know they're getting healthy healthy produce and uh, local is big as well. Often fo- food is transported from across uh, the border or from way out west and by the time you get it it's not as fresh so when it's fresher it does have more of its uh, nutritional value than if it's if it's sat for a week two weeks before you get it so it's just it's it's better overall um, to have it uh, fresh as possible now that might have surprised listeners that you just said local actually packs a higher nutritional punch i mean everybody knows that local produce is better quality because it's not wilting and getting old but it actually has a higher nutrient density when it's picked and eaten sooner thereafter. Uh, I heard actually one one um, health expert online, you can take this with a grain of salt, but it really surprised me that he would say this. He said that local non-organic, if you have to choose, is sometimes better than organic food that's coming from Latin America and it's been picked long ago and it's all wilted and, and no good anymore because the nutritional value of that drops so much. Now, I know also there are certain types of fruits and vegetables that are especially important to to get organic. I know that strawberries, 
apples, certain certain fruits and vegetables, if you don't get them organic, have a higher concentration of pesticides. And so just to warn listeners on that, go organic whenever possible, but especially the what they call the dirty dozen, the uh, the worst offenders of pesticides. So, you know, I'm all about eating local. My family, we eat right out of our backyard as much as possible. And we grow in our in our own garden and we're thinking about putting up a greenhouse actually we're planning on putting up a greenhouse and what i wondered about was this year-round concept here we are in michigan obviously you can't grow food in the winter months although this winter we got kind of a late start to winter and you, you, you could grow some some fruits and vegetables you could grow kale through december this year but normally you know what why have greenhouses and try to grow year-round in michigan uh, what what is the thinking and the motivation behind transforming the way we think about agriculture rather than importing it all in in the winter? Well, one of the reasons we we do locally is we do have students from a, a nearby boarding school working with us, so we do want them to have work through through the winter. So we do grow in a greenhouse, and it is heated. Um, now, if you're thinking of doing that in a small garden or or even a small scale farm, it doesn't necessarily have to be heated to grow some things through the winter. Uh, frost-hardy crops, kales, lettuces, and other things will grow through the winter um, if, if, if grown properly or done properly in a greenhouse with some fr- frost cloths and things like that. They'll grow slow and they'll be smaller, but you'll still have your fresh produce. We, we are able to do that through the winter. Ours is heated, but it's minimal heat to keep the cost down. Um, and also we keep our customers, um, a handful of our customers through the winter that really appreciate uh, fresh produce, especially the restaurants that's uh, – something they really enjoy um, telling their customers that this was grown locally in a greenhouse here in Michigan in the winter. And um, I know a lot of a lot of people didn't even realize until we started marketing that that we were growing all winter. We would often lose a customer. We would have them through the season, and then they would stop buying. And when we would call them a week or two later, they would say, I didn't realize you were growing through the winter. So I think a lot of people aren't aware that they can get fresh produce through the winter. There's just certain ways to do it and understanding that it's not going to be as big and it is going to grow slower, but it's still fresh, and it still has that, that nutrients and, and all those vital vitamins and things that you need from fresh produce. Well, that's really exciting to me because, you know, a lot of people can't afford necessarily to put in a heated greenhouse. That's kind of a big deal. But, um, you know, you can do, from what I've heard, even row covers. And unless you're getting, you know, a heavy snowpack, uh, if you keep those cleared and you use certain kinds of strategies, you can grow without without heat at all. Uh, now, we're blessed at our home to have uh, outdoor wood burner. And so our plan is to actually heat the greenhouse there so that, you know, to me, the most important aspect of this is is the the educational piece, right? We both Andy and I, we have small children about the same age, and we're thinking, you know, what's the best way to raise children? And having them involved in agriculture is not only going to well. Let let me let you speak to that, Andy. You know, I know that you've got youth working there in the greenhouse. I know that you want your daughters involved in agriculture all through the, in the remainder and entirety of their childhood. What, what are the educational benefits? And I don't just mean educational like a classroom, but you know, how does this help development, training, uh, character growth, all of it? Well, we know that manual labor is one of the most important things that, that youth and children can, can get, uh, acquiring a taste for it, uh, the ability to 
push through a job, learn responsibility, commitment, all those things that come from, from manual labor. And we also know from the spirit of prophecy that there's a special blessing and promise attached to agriculture. Um, and no other vocation mirrors the character more than agriculture. So attention to detail and so many other things that, that, that kids will learn in that type of vocation. Not, not to mention that, that germination time, um, zones, growing zones, diseases, pests, and things like that, that they can carry with them in the, into their adult life, their parent life, to teach their children what grows best where, how it grows best, how to combat certain diseases and pests, and, and um, also what, what, uh, what the plants look like, what they produce, and, and uh, even cultivating a taste for some of the things we grow. We've had kids come in that weren't interested in kale or lettuce or other other products that we grow, but by the time they're done working there or they finish a year there, they're they're eating that or they're taking some home on a on a home leave or if they live here in the area, they'll take some home to their parents. And so it's really interesting to see them not really be interested in, in agriculture to understanding and taking on more responsibility as as our employees there. You know, I I really appreciate what you just shared in the respect that this is about what I would just call being human once again. And for thousands of years, God has assigned to his children, humanity, the role of growing food. And we've got mechanized big agribusiness that takes care of that all so we can play video games and sit on our computers all day. Now, let's get our hands in the soil, folks. Let's get our kids outdoors. The more that we can do this with our children and youth, the better it is for them because they were designed this way. You remember, Adam was put in a garden to work it and to keep it. We'll be back. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. Did you know that heavily rhythmic music, which is basically all popular music today, can actually alter your state of consciousness? Musician William Ora explains, quote, We had discovered something that people knew eons ago, that polyrhythms can be used for hypnotic induction, for altered states of consciousness, even for soul travel. And drummer and percussion scholar Mickey Hart agrees. Everywhere you look around the world, he says, people are using drums to alter consciousness. I have discovered, along with many others, the extraordinary power of music, particularly percussion, to influence the human mind and body. And Jimi Hendrix said, We make our music so loose and hard-hitting that it hits your soul hard enough to make it open. Get informed, folks. Truth is stranger than fiction. Google the words Media on the Brain to learn more. What does it take to raise spiritually strong young people in our homes? Well, the George Barna research results are in. Parents who have had actual measurable success, who have raised their children to become solid Christian young adults, these parents' number one aim in the parenting of their children was character development. They understood that their job was to form the character of their children to reflect the law of God and the character of Christ. Any parents with children in the home need to know this. Write down the DVD title and share it with them right away. It's called How to Raise the Remnant. 
Now, more than ever, parents are in desperate need of solid biblical counsel to guide us back to God's plan for raising godly children in these last days. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. back. I have in studio with me once again my good friend Andy. I'm your host Scott Ritzema. This is 11th Hour Dispatch. The website is 11thHourDispatch.com and I am super, super excited to continue to explore these themes because I know that listeners, when they hear this show, they hear global crisis, Bible prophecy, health and preparedness. And when we study the news headlines, it's usually just tracking and tracing how our world is just ripping apart at the seams. And it begs the question, what do we do to prepare for the epic crises that we are accelerating toward in these last days. And I always, always, every program, and I want to say it again now, emphasize the point that ultimate preparedness is knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and walking in peace and joy with him daily, reforming your life to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, having the mind of Christ having that new birth experience that we all need every day. That's true preparedness. True health is the healthy state of mind of not having fear like the world, where it says in Matthew 24 that in the last days men's hearts will fail fail them for fear. No, we can have perfect love drive out all fear, and we can walk with a an easy yoke and a light burden of Jesus Christ upon us knowing that he has carried our sins to the cross, knowing that he is giving us the strength and courage to face the trying times that are ahead. And so while the world's hearts fail them for fear, we have a assurance, an absolute assurance, knowing that when the difficult times come, we can face it with confidence, strength, and boldness. But as a part of health and preparedness, In the context of the global crises that are emerging, we are seeing a time nearly shortly ahead. I believe that we will see economic cataclysmic types of events that you have never witnessed in your lifetime. And what I want to talk about with Andy in terms of the farming and agricultural aspect of this is just a practical 101 being human once again, as I said before the break, in, in being somewhat self-sustaining. We are very dependent as a people today. And if you take away all of the infrastructure, say you had an EMP event, where an electromagnetic pulse event, where all the power grid is down, or, or, or just solar events could cause that. Or you have natural disasters, or you have terrorist attacks, or you just have the natural events of economic degradation that are inevitable, even absent a, a sort of um, you know uh, massive crisis. 
any of these things could cause a situation where food is not readily available at the grocery store shelves. So Andy, speak to this a bit, the element of preparedness, not that we need to run around lighting our hair on fire and be crazed, wild-eyed, you know, stocking up ammo and all of that. That's not what I mean by preparedness, but just practical, reasonable human measures that, that you think people should be taking to prepare for the times ahead. You know, that's a, a good point you mentioned. The Bible says, let all things done be, be done decently and in order. Um, I think we can get scared and hyped up often, um, and then we... We tend to not uh, think as we should. Being ready is not just having stockpiles of this or, or things ready. I think it's also knowledge of how to, how to manage my, my funds, my affairs. And especially when it comes to having food, there's a knowledge that's needed in growing. As we progress in Earth's history, pests are more prevalent, diseases are more prevalent, new diseases are coming up that, that attack plants. It's an important knowledge to have to know how to grow certain things, certain zones, um, what plants do best in what time of year, um, what can I grow in the winter, and, and then furthermore, how do I store these things? You know, how do I store them and keep them so they're they're still uh, have a little bit of a shelf life, but also when I go to get them from wherever I'm storing them, are they still edible? Um, so I think we need to to study that, know that. That's very important to have as we we move into uh, the end of Earth's history. Yeah, that knowledge is key. That's paramount, knowing how to grow things. It's just something people took for granted for thousands of years. Everybody knew how to do it. And today, I, I look at myself and my upbringing, like I knew how to bounce a basketball. I knew how to play video games. I knew how to play the game of school, where I literally went four years of high school without reading a single book and managed to pull out a scholarship to college because I mastered the game of school, learned almost nothing, as a kid and as a youth, I, I, and still to this day, at age 35, I struggle to work with my hands, to grow things, fix things, build things. These are very important things that we all need. And I've felt challenged when I moved out into the country. Andy and I moved out to pretty much the same area here in rural mid-Michigan. And we're going, okay, what do we do now in terms of preparing for the last days? Not in a fanatical sense, uh, like I mentioned before, but just just doing the things that human beings have done for eons. And that requires that knowledge that Andy was talking about. I, I do think that that's absolutely paramount and important. And, and this piece about moving into the country, uh, I know that a lot of people find work and convenience and entertainments and uh, associates in the cities. And the cities are where people tend to concentrate and live. Both Andy and I have made the decision and felt the call to live in the country. And I want, Andy, if you could speak to that. What's going on in the cities these days? From your perspective as a former chief of police, you know, you see the news headlines of what's happening with the civil unrest, frankly, and shootings and violence and protests, and you get the Black Lives Matter. I literally saw a number of Black Lives Matter protests where their chants were things like, oink, oink, bang, bang. In other words, we're out here to kill cops and deck the halls with dead cops. I mean, I hate to even repeat their horrifically evil 
uh, chance, and not everybody, of course, associated with Black Lives Matter is threatening cops, but, uh, you know, they, they say pigs in a blanket, like in terms of, you know, cops being, being put in body bags kind of thing. And that's the mentality of a lot of the people that have been influenced by gangster rap. I mean, what's going on in the cities between the, the underclass, if you will, the minority populations and the police officers? You know, I think that, um, the spirit of God is being lifted for man, as as we we know, as was was prophesized, um, and I believe that the the media, to some degree, is helping perpetuate that with with uh, social media, uh, the news, and, and the things that they show. We're we're becoming tolerant of violence. Um, a mass shooting was a, a huge surprise, a huge shock years ago, but now it's it's something that happens, and we continue on with with uh, the daily news or. Or, or shopping on the internet if we viewed it on there. So uh, social media has been good in, in many aspects to help spread the gospel, but it's also helping to desensitize us, distract us uh, from the violence and the civil unrest that is happening. It's very sad to see, you know, at one time the, the concept of a peace officer, the police was a respected member of the community and a very important member of the community. You know, I, I, I talk on the program about how my personal convictions are that as Christians, we should not engage in acts of violence. Um, but God has instituted the state, the, the the king, if you will, the magistrate, the militaries and police forces of this world to keep order and to punish the wrongdoer. And what an important aspect of a free society. But it seems to me that even as the population grows more uh, wicked and violent as the spirit of God is withdrawn from them, we will get to and are coming to a point where even law enforcement at a federal level, at a global level, is increasingly becoming militarized and is going to be turned in upon. And I have documents on this. I've got to get into a whole program on this sometime about how there is actually training taking place, identifying uh, veterans, gun owners, conservative, libertarian-minded people, people that make numerous references to the Constitution. I've actually seen FBI terrorism training documents saying, watch out for people who are constitutionalists because they might be terrorists. And so we're coming into a time where there is a what you might call a civil war brewing between the state and the population. And this is just another example of disorder and chaos being created out of which the new world order, if you will, will bring order. So order out of chaos. You bring in a totalitarian police state when the people become unruly. And that's exactly what has happened. Uh, You see, Andy was sharing with me before the program that on all of the national Uh, rankings of violence in the cities and shootings that take place. He remembers when he was out west, Andy, tell tell folks here, most of our, a lot of our listeners are in Michigan. What were the top ranking locations consistently there for violence? You know, we, we, as a police chief, would receive uh, FBI bulletin on crime throughout our nation, and it had cities ranked in violence, violent crime, and and then it it was broken down even more. But um, Flint and Detroit were always in the the top five as far as violence, and and they had a a top ten that had other cities as well. But I I just remember that Flint and Detroit were, were always topping the charts as far as violent crimes. 
Do you recommend that families and even folks without children, but especially with children, do you recommend that they get out of the cities and move into the country as the Lord opens the way? And if so, why? You know, that's I do recommend that. I think it's it's very important, especially for families with with children, to to be out of the cities. The influences there are obviously very very strong and very, very dangerous. So I think it is important to pray and allow God to lead. There's um, there's going to be trials. There's going to be a learning curve. And that's why I recommend doing it as soon as the door opens, because you can't do it at, at last minute. I mean, we're, we're growing and doing our thing on our farm, and we're still learning. Every day is a learning experience. We're still having trials and error and disappointments. Um, and we're still discouraged at times with, with crop failures and, and just pest issues and, and all of those things. So it, it, it takes time. So as soon as the doors do open, that's something that does need to be done. Don't, don't hesitate. Do it as soon as possible so you can start this learning curve and, and get through your disappointments and, and your, your trial and errors for the experience and knowledge that you need to continue to live that lifestyle. I love the phrase, you can't prepare for a crisis in a crisis. You prepare for the crisis before the crisis comes. And if you're listening and you're thinking, you know, maybe you're thinking of your grandkids or listeners are, are, are struggling with this with their own children. Do I want to get into agriculture more? Have my children doing more labor because it's so good for their development, for their character. There's so many wonderful spiritual analogies in the soil. Do I want to move into the country? I want to tell you something from my personal experience as we close here. My children don't watch TV. They don't have all the entertainments and the endless toys of worldly things, and they have no idea what Star Wars is. They, they're not even aware of who Santa Claus is. And, and people would say, oh, your children are sheltered and deprived. I'll tell you something. My children are so happy. They love life. Being outdoors, being with mom and dad, being with brother. I'll tell you something. Living life God's way is really best, even for their temporary happiness, not to mention their eternal well-being. Well, thanks, Andy, for being with us. We'll see you next time.